name above every name we thank you that as we gather in that name that the holy spirit is here to minister to each one of our hearts father we open ourselves up to you that we might have eyes to see and ears to hear that you might reveal to us truth and revelation so father we thank you for this evening this time that we can spend together we thank you that it's blessed because we come together in the name of jesus we give you the praise and the glory ahead and proceed praise the Lord well God is good isn't he hallelujah well we're <clears throat> continuing our series the believers authority and uh, so hopefully you're all here last week and got to see brother Hagen and uh, uh, I just thought it'd be kind of a neat little blessing to see him because I think there's a lot of people today that hear reference to him but they've never really had the opportunity to hear him and and so anyway hopefully you are blessed by that and so we believe you're going to be blessed tonight also in the name of Jesus as we share the word um, hallelujah well I made the announcement on Sunday that I'm going to be teaching a series on the next few Sundays and going to be talking about um, how Genesis relates to the gospel and so forth just encourage you to come and hear it I think it's going to be really good I'm hoping so if I can ever get my notes put together um, <clears throat> but I, I believe it'll do one of two things uh, It'll enthuse you about the gospel and help you see where things are going or you'll never want to hear me preach again. So one or the other. So we're, we're going to go to one extreme or the other with that deal. So, uh, you know, I forget which preacher I heard it, share at one time. He says, you know, after you get to a certain age, you no longer worry about impressing people because... Um, well, I'm not worried about impressing everybody, so I guess if I tick you off... Tick you off and you know, and nobody shows up the following Sunday. Makes me easy to make a decision if I should retire or not. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, let's, uh, let's get going in the Word of God. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about the believer's authority. Tonight we're going to be talking about the God of this world. And this ties in with what we talked about two weeks ago uh, when we talked about <clears throat> Lucifer and how Lucifer came into being and how he became um, the God of this world that Lucifer was created perfect in all of his ways. Uh, he wasn't created as the devil. He was created as Lucifer the archangel. And of course, you know, the scripture talks about archangels and uh, Gabriel is an archangel. Uh, Michael is an archangel. And Lucifer was an archangel. And so he, he entered into the very presence of God. And if you remember, we talked about <clears throat> two weeks ago that, um, you know, we've always taught that it was um, pride that caused Satan to fall. You know, but 
I believe, and this is what I shared a couple of weeks ago, was that he saw something that he had never seen before. He saw unconditional authority. That Adam and Eve, when they were, that when they were created, God said, I give you dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over every created thing, I give you authority. And it wasn't, it wasn't a limited authority, it was an unconditional authority. And we see this throughout scripture that there are certain things that, that take place that it's, that it's unconditional. There's other things that are conditional. We see it with prophecy. There's some prophecy that are unconditional. Jesus' coming was an unconditional prophecy. It was going to happen. Jesus' return is an unconditional prophecy. It's going to happen. You know, it doesn't spell out when, but Jesus is coming back. But then there was also conditional prophecy, and we see this in the Old Testament where God would say, if you do such and such, then this will happen. If you don't do such and such, this isn't going to happen. That's, that's conditional property, prophecy. There's conditions put upon that. Angels who are ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister to the sons of men, that's you, of God, you and me, uh, they have conditional authority. And their conditional authority is that they go and they fulfill the assignment that's been assigned to them, and that's all the authority that they carry to be able to do that. Michael was sent forth to Mary with a conditional authority. And that authority was to make known to her that she was going to have a child. You know, and, and Michael, when he was sent forth, he wasn't just sent forth to, you know, the warring angel, wasn't just sent forth to make war with anybody. It was conditional. And so Lucifer had conditional authority. And so when God sent him to the, this is, this is what I believe. So everybody say, this is what Pastor Dave believes. You know, and so that, that means you don't have to believe it if you don't want to. If you want to be wrong, go ahead. You know, <clears throat> you know, but what I believe is God, because angels are ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister to the sons of God, that Lucifer was sent forth to minister to Adam and Eve. And when he came, he saw something that he had never seen before, just a little bit of review. He saw unconditional authority, and he recognized it, and he longed for it, and he desired it. But there's another element of this, and this element is why we have such confidence in God. Because God is true to his word, even to his own hurt. And so he had given that unconditional authority. And Lucifer, who from the time he was created, remember Lucifer was a created being. Satan, the devil, is a created being. And a lot of people attribute to the devil almost the attributes of big G, God. He is the little g, God of this world. But he, he, he was in his presence, and so he saw how God was always truthful. He's not a man that he should lie. 
And so he knew that if he could deceive Eve and Adam, that that authority that belonged to them could become his. And so that was, that was the motivation behind the whole thing. Remember, you know, God created man, created you and me in his image. And if we're created in his image, truly in his image, because the angels weren't created in his image. Create, angels were created to serve. We were created in the image of God. We were created in his image so that we could have fellowship with him. And so if we were created in the image of God for us to truly have fellowship with him, we had to have the free will. And with that free will meant everything that we have, we can turn it over to the enemy. You know, our dominion was restored to us through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And Satan Satan's tactics haven't changed in the least. Do you realize that saying, I'm getting off course here a little bit, but this is the way my mind is going right now, so you're going to have to bear with me. Do you realize that Satan has no means of expression in the earth unless he finds a vessel to operate through. And so he can't, in spite of what Flip Wilson said, he can't make us do anything. Most of you are like, <laughs> he was an old comedian years back and he, his, his number one line was, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil can't make you do anything. But you know what? He can deceive us. We can become his, his vessel, his tool. And so <clears throat> we were given dominion, power and authority over the earth. So we were, in a sense, the God of this world, small g. Remember the scripture says, in, in the King James Version, it says that we were created just a little bit lower than the angels. That's what the King James Version says. But if you, if you look that up in the Hebrew, what it says is we were created just a little bit lower than Elohim. Elohim is a name for God. And so you and I, we were created, man was created just a little lower than God. So don't get puffed up. You're not God. You're created lower than God. Thank God. I'm not God. There's a lot of people around here that ought to thank God. I'm not God. <laughs> you know, but, but we're, we're, we're created in his image though. And so we were given dominion, power, and authority over the earth. Psalms 82, 6, it says, You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. You are gods. Why? We are created in the image of God. We have that dominion that we're supposed to exert in the earth. There's things that are happening around us that should never be happening because man should have taken their authority. You know, the earth should have never um, regressed to the condition that we're in. You know, people talk about evolution. I don't, what, what's, what's the opposite of evolution? Creationism. Huh? Creationism. No, I'm not thinking of that. You know, of something evolving, what would be the opposite of something evolving? Right, regressing. That's what I think is happening to the world. 
if it was, the, if it was evolution, the world should be getting gooder and gooder. But it's regressing. It's getting worse and worse. You know, the condition of people are getting worse and worse. If it was evolution, um, there should be fewer hungry people. There should have been, there should be fewer needy people. But it's getting to be more and more because of what's taken place in the earth, because of destruction and so forth. And so <clears throat> what the evolutionists call, it's, it's just, it would be just the opposite of what, what they're talking about. And so <clears throat> the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, he has given to the children of men. In other words, he's given them to us. We're the ones that are supposed to be ruling over it. But because of Adam and Eve and because of their sin, they sold out. And Lucifer became the God of this world, as the scripture says. In Roman numeral two there it says, when Lucifer, still the sinless perfect angel of God in the garden sent to minister to Adam and Eve, saw the unconditional authority over the earth that God had given to man he recognized an opportunity because he knew that if they were given unconditional authority, that authority could be turned over to them. We read this a couple of weeks ago, but let's, let's read it again. In Isaiah, in Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations. Think about that. He who weakened the nations. The nations ought to be strong, but they've been weakened. And one of the number one reasons that the, weak, the nations have been weakened because we're constantly fighting with one another. Because we're constantly in competition with one another. And so as a result of that, he's weakened the nations. And, and the reason he wants to weaken the nations is because they're under his control when he can get them in that weakened state. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And remember, this is, this is partly where we get the idea that it was pride that lifted him up. But notice what his goal was. He, he could see that he could be like God. You know, <clears throat> I heard a preacher say this one time, the most damning lie is the lie that's closest to the truth. And he told Adam and Eve, he says, God doesn't, he doesn't want you to eat of that tree because if you eat of that tree, you're going to know the difference between good and evil. And if you know the difference between good and evil, you'll be like God. Well, you see, the problem is, is they were already like God and they didn't know it because they were created in his image. And so the lie was, if you do this, you're going to be like God. Where they already were like God. They were created in his image. He had, he had given him his creation to have authority over, to dominate. That was given to man. Think about that. How cool that would be if, well, anyway. But anyway, so... He's a liar and he's a liar from the beginning. But he saw that Lucifer wasn't like God. Lucifer 
was an angel. And so what he saw was if I can get them to sell out to me, it won't be them who's like God, I'll be like God. And that's where he's saying here, and I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation of the far sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights and the clouds. I'll be like the Most High. And that's what he wanted. That's what he, all the stuff that he went through. And so Adam and Eve, they sold out. They, they bought the line. They were told, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the day that you eat thereof, you're going to die. There's going to be a separation. You're going to lose the authority. So God is warning them. He's telling them that there's danger ahead. You know, <clears throat> one of the reasons why the Word of God is so important to us is it gives us direction. It gives us wisdom. It, it, it warns us. You know, the Bible says in, what is it, John 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. The consequence of sin is death. And so the warning is, and remember, we've talked about death, what death really means. It means separation. You know, and so when, when God gives us his word and instructions and so forth, it's not to bring us under bondage. It's so that we can truly Walk in freedom. You see, his tactics, the enemy's tactics have never changed. What was he telling Adam and Eve? He's saying, if you don't listen to God, if you listen to me and follow my instructions, you're going to be free. But you know what? They were already free. And that's what they did to thinking it was going to bring freedom in their life, what did it do? It brought bondage into their life. And you know, <clears throat> that's, the things about, that's the thing about the Word of God. Many times the world and those around us will interpret it as bondage. But you know what? It's never bondage to serve God. It's never bondage to walk in the fullness of what He's made available to us. That doesn't mean that sometimes there isn't a price that we pay. There is, but in paying that price, we ultimately ultimately experience freedom. And so they sold out to Satan and God became, or Satan became the God of this world. In your notes, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And it says, and this, this is dealing with unbelievers. And it says, whose minds, talking about unbelievers, talking about the people of the world, whose minds, the God of this world, or God of this age, God of this world, has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Whose minds the God of this world has blinded. How does he blind their blind individuals that they don't see the truth? And one of the number one ways that hinder people from receiving the truth is to bombard them, to, to give them uh, intellectual overload so that they have a hard time discerning what's really God and what's really the world. And so you, you begin to share with somebody and 
as you're sharing with them, it's just like, poof, went right over their head. It's like, poof, they didn't catch any of it. Do you know why it seems that way? Because, poof, went right over their head. They didn't catch any of it. Because they're blinded to it. And it's the God of this world that has blinded them. And again, it's not like there's this veil that's come across their eyes, although it's similar to that. But a lot of times what that, that veil is, is information overload. <clears throat> what, are, what are we constantly told? We're, we're constantly told that if we educate people and we give people enough information, it'll straighten everything out. Well, if that's the case, why is everything getting worse? It's because the information overload, what it does is it distracts us from the truth of the gospel and ultimately freedom comes through him, through Jesus, and through the truth, who is Jesus, alone. And so it's to distract us, it's to blind us from that. Whose minds, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded who do not believe. Why don't they believe? Well, they don't believe because of, um, of the information that they've given, that has been given to them. They've chosen to go that way. <clears throat> I, I, I've told you before that there's a, there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. You, you doubt something because of a lack of information, because you don't know. Unbelief is based on choice. I choose not to believe that. You know, and so, <clears throat> you know, for years, uh, even after I was, was saved, there were, there were principles in the Word of God that I had never really seen. For example, it wasn't years, but it was, it was quite a while. You know, I didn't know about prosperity. You know, the church I grew up in, they said um, holiness and poverty went hand in hand with one another because money, riches are the root of all evil. Now, we, we all know it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, but they, they said money was the root of all evil. And so, you know, you, we didn't, you know, you know, Actually, I did want to get rich, but <clears throat> didn't know how. But I, I didn't know that it was God's will for me to prosper. And, uh, but then I began to get information on it. I began to hear Brother Hagen talk about it some. Began to hear Brother Copeland talk about it. Began to hear Jerry Seville and um, Fred Price. And, you know, I could go on and on with the list of individuals that I heard Creflo Dollar talk about prosperity and so forth. But you know, when I began to hear that, there were, there were a lot of people that, that I hung out with that didn't want to have anything to do with it. They, they said, you know, that, that prosperity thing, that, that's of the devil. And they were hearing the same stuff that I was hearing, but they were making a different choice than I made. I chose to believe what the Word of God said. You know, the Bible says, I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I chose to believe that. He said in, in Galatians, or in, in, yeah, in Galatians, uh, don't be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. I saw where he says, um, 
give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. So I believe that. And so we became, we became givers. Not because all at once we had a windfall of money and we had just so much to give away. It was because I chose to believe what the Word said. You know, <clears throat> got a hold of healing. And you don't believe in healing because of experience. You believe in healing because of what the Word of God says. You know, and I've shared with you how, you know, we prayed for my father-in-law and he died. We prayed for this young girl down in Ankeny Isle who fell in the playground and she died. And after uh, we had done that, one of the guys, elders of our little study that had gone in to do that, to pray, said to me, he says, I don't know if I can ever pray for anybody again. And I says, well, what are you talking about? And he says, well, you know, I'm so crushed because I believe that these individuals were going to be healed and they weren't. I, I don't know if I can, I can go on with it. And I says, well, I was expecting them to be healed as well. But the Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus we've been healed. And so if we never see anybody healed, that doesn't change the word. Pastor, that sounds extremely radical. That's where we need to be with the Word of God in this day. Because everything that's coming against us is telling us just the opposite of it. Well, why aren't people healed? I don't know. If God wanted me to know, I guess he would have shown me. Because it says in Deuteronomy, it says, or is it Numbers, it says the secret things belong to God. And if he hasn't shown me, then obviously it's not in my business. But I can tell you what is my business. And what each of our business is, is to do what God has told us to do. And he's told us to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so, if we're believers, <laughs> we don't have any choice but to believe it. Because, well, you know, it's, it's up to us. It really isn't. It really isn't. You know, the Bible doesn't present us with a list of choices. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but through him. You really don't have a choice. You can become a Muslim. You can become a Buddhist. You can just be a secular humanist idiot. You can be any of those things that you want. But you really don't have a choice. Because there really is only one choice. And that's Jesus. And that's where it comes with his word. You know, there are, there are some things that I believe today. I don't know how I got to the place where I believed it. Because it was so long ago. You know, you got to understand, I've been saved for 45 years. I can hardly remember what I had for lunch yesterday. You know, <clears throat> so... There's a lot of things in the Word of God. I don't know how I came to the conclusion that I believed it. All that I know is that the Bible says it. And as Smith Wigglesworth said, I believe it. And that settles it. And so in my thinking today, for many of those things, there isn't even a, even a consideration of it not being true. 
because I'm so convinced that the word is true. You know, that's where we, we better be there, where salvation is concerned. You know, that no matter what comes against us, we know that because I believed in my heart and because I confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I'm saved. N nothing, nothing can convince me otherwise. You know, 45 years ago, after praying in the basement of Vern Lewis's house and receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the next morning I woke up and there were all these thoughts. Nothing really happened to you. You weren't really saved. That really didn't amount to anything. All I could do was go back and say, yeah, but I prayed that prayer and that prayer says that if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, I'm saved. So I guess I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. But you know, the more that I've been in the scriptures, now that I know John 3.16 and I know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and, you know, no Romans 10, and, and, and all, nobody, you can't convince me I'm not saved. You might be able to convince me of some other things, you know, but, but you'll never convince me I'm not saved. You might convince me that Aaron Rodgers isn't such a bad guy after all, but I doubt it, you know, but I, I can be, I, I might be able to be convinced of that, but I doubt it. But you'll never convince me that I'm not saved. Because I know I'm saved. How do you know that you're saved? I was there. The words came out of my mouth. My spirit bore witness with the Holy Spirit that I was a son of God. And so to this day, my spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that I'm a son of God. I know it. But you know, there's some other things my spirit bears witness with that it never used to. That my God is my provider. That he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That he's my healer. That by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. That I'm delivered. That Jesus of Nazareth and I'm created in his image went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And so a slew foot can't uh, uh, um, can't get it out. Can't bug me anymore. He can bug me. You know, it's kind of like the guy that came to Brother Hagen and said, Brother Hagen, I want you to pray for me. And he says, what do you want me to pray? He says, I want you to pray that the devil won't bother me anymore. And he says, oh, you want me to pray that you die? And he says, no, I don't want to die. And he says, well, that's the only way the devil isn't going to bother you anymore. So temptation is going to come. But we overcome every temptation because we're in Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all things as you and I, yet without sin. And so whatever temptation comes against us, if we stay in Jesus, we'll go through it and we'll not sin. When is it that we sin? When we do it in our own strength and our own ability and we get it out there on a limb and we try to do it all on our own. God's the same, always. Romans 6, 16, it says, do you not know? L listen, this, this, is, this is really important. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, 
You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, amen? But think about this. Adam and Eve yielded to Lucifer, to Satan. And since that point in time, humanity has been a slave to him. You go throughout the Old Testament and you see it continuously where man is a slave to Satan. We see it in the day that we're in, except there's an exception. Because of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, I'm no longer his slave. And so what I choose is I choose to be a slave of God. Well, pastor, I thought we were sons of God. We are. And Paul knew that. Paul's the one that taught that to us, that we are sons of God, that we are, we are part of the family of God, that we are the body of Christ. But Paul said, though he's a son, he takes the position of a bondservant. And a bondservant is the lowest servant in the household. He's the one that washes everybody's dirty feet when they come in. He's the one that on the ship, he's the one down underneath that, that's rowing the boat, that's chained to the oar and uh, spends the rest of his days there. And so what Paul is saying, I am a son of God, but I choose to take the position of a servant, of a slave of God, so that I serve him all the days of my life. A slave doesn't have a free will. A slave doesn't have a choice. And so if I see myself as a slave, as a servant of God, I no longer see myself as, a, as having a free will. I no longer see myself as having, you know, there's an option placed before me. You know, am I going to, you know, I can't even think of a, a good one. You know, <clears throat> um, you know, I could think about adultery, but I'm too old. Um, you know, what, whatever. There, there's a choice, a choice to follow God and a choice of something in the world. But see, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And so even though there's choices that are placed before me, I really don't, I don't have a choice because I'm a servant of God. Do you know, <laughs> why am I going to that? <clears throat> Do you know absolutes make your life easier? People hate absolutes. I love absolutes. Because the wonderful thing about absolutes is I don't have to decide. Now, I know I'm different than most of you. I'm, I don't know, a lot of you are in the same boat as me, you poor things. <clears throat> but I, I'm melancholy. So I don't, I don't like to decide. And so if I've got absolutes in my life, that means I don't have to decide. It's already decided for me. And so life becomes easy. Always remember, a lot of you don't, never knew him, but there was a guy years back in church, he was here when the church started, Galen Devoloy. 
and he was a county agent and so forth. And I remember, remember him sharing one time, and he was talking about how growing up in um, the Reformed Church in Northwest Iowa, that uh, he grew up in a household where every Sunday they went to church. And he said, here I am now in my 60s. And I have never had to get up on a Sunday morning and decide whether or not I was going to go to church. Because it's always been an absolute in my life. You know, and of course, that's part of what my message is going to be approaching eventually uh, on Sunday morning. So, you know, half the people are gone right now because they're watching on there and they're saying, oh, I'm not going to go there. You know, <clears throat> but we don't have absolutes in our life any longer. And so we're living a life of struggle because we're constantly trying to decide things that should have already been determined, that should have already been decided in our life. You know what? I'm a servant of the Most High God. And I'm glad. I'm a child of God. And so I get all the blessings of being an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. But even though I'm an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus, I take the position of a servant. And because I take that position, it begins to give me all these absolutes in my life that I'm able to follow and makes me happy. And so what does the enemy wants to do? want to do? He wants to get rid of all the absolutes. He wants to feed you all this information and tell you that, you know, what God said isn't really true because that's what he did with Adam and Eve. It was information. It was a lie, but it, was an inf it, was inf it wasn't even a total lie. But it was information that took them away from who they were intended to be. And so what does the enemy want to do in our lives? He'll, you know, it's, it's difficult to tempt somebody with evil stuff that's going to bring destruction in your life unless you can convince them that it's really not going to destroy, it's going to enhance your life. It's going to make everything wonderful. It's going to make everything better. And that's what he told Adam and Eve. He didn't tell them the part that when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you're going to be separated from God and for the next 6,000 years, man is going to live in a funk because they, 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 they've been separated from God. And so man who was created not to die is going to physically die. And man who was created to always have intimate fellowship with God is going to be separated for God, from God. And that eventually, you know, there would be a Savior. He would have left that part out because he did everything he could to stop that. But he didn't tell him the evil part. He didn't tell him the bad part. And that's what the enemy never tells the drug addict that, yeah, you might get a high right now, but this is what it's going to lead to. You know, my upbringing, 
it wasn't drugs because it wasn't it wasn't around. I mean, <clears throat> you know, Canada's going to have to put up a wall now. Yeah. You know, because today is the first day of legalized um, recreational, recreational marijuana. Well, I'm really proud of everybody. Everybody stayed seated. I thought everybody would run out and get in the car and head north. You know, <clears throat> you know that that's just what Minnesota needs is some more dopers, you know, just north of them. You know, but, but see, it's a lie. It's going to make you so happy. You know, and what I started saying, you know, in, in my family it was alcohol. Oh, you, you, you just feel so good when you drink. You know, I did. You know, even the puking wasn't that bad. It was just the next morning, the headaches and everything else that just tore you apart. But he didn't tell you what it was going to produce in your life and didn't, didn't tell my uncles and my aunts and my, my cousins that I grew up with that it was going to destroy their health and that they were going to die prematurely. Didn't tell my running buddy that I uh, went through all of high school with that at the age of, in his 60s, he was going to be stuck in a home because he had cooked too many cells in his brain and now, you know, he was not going to be able to take care of things himself and die prematurely. Didn't tell my buddy that went to Vietnam and got hooked on drugs while he was over there and came home and when I went to my family reunion, his wife was having to take him by the hand and lead him around the room because he, he, he had, couldn't think clearly any longer. Doesn't tell us those things. He just says, it's going to make you feel so good. But let me tell you something. Everything that goes contrary to the word of God will ultimately lead to death and destruction in our lives in one way or another. And we need to just accept that fact and become narrow-minded and recognize I'm not going to step out of the parameters, the guidelines that God has given me because as long as I stay in these guidelines, it may appear to others that my life is limited. But this limited life that I'm going to have is going to be victorious, is going to be filled with good things, is going to be filled with happiness. While others experience the death and destruction. We've been redeemed from the curse. You know that, don't you? So the curse has no right to us. The enemy has no right to us. And the only way that he can... He can't overpower us. He has no... He doesn't have that kind of power. He can't overpower us. All that he can do is come in and bring suggestions into our lives. And what happens is those suggestions, it creates such a addictive force in our life. It's like he's dominating and controlling us and dictating to our life. But you know, the scripture says he can't tempt us with anything that the desire isn't already on the inside of us. And so what happens is he feeds those desires and then those desires begin to take control of our life. And they begin to, they begin to dominate us. We're the ones that say no. The devil and his demons as spirit beings 
have no power or authority on this earth apart from physical human beings yielding it to them. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a spirit being. That means he has to have a flesh vessel to operate through. <laughs> you know, when I was, <clears throat> when I was first saved, we were, we were spiritually so stupid. You know, but, you know, when you don't have anybody to teach you, stupid just gives birth to greater stupidity. And we were, we were just so stupid and there were people that would write these books because of some experience that they had. And so you'd, you'd take these books and you'd we'd digest them and, you know, and, and so you'd bring the groceries home from the grocery store and you'd cast all the devils out of them because, you know, there was probably somebody in the grocery store that had a devil and it got over into the groceries and so you'd go home and cast out the devils. Well, well, I, I think tomatoes to some degree are demonic. You know, the only thing uh, a real tomato was good for is throwing at a vehicle on Halloween night. <laughs> but it's an inanimate object. It cannot have a demon. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. You know, what they want to do is they want to, they want to come into a human being and they just can't come into a human being. They do it through the power of suggestion and we do, we do see, you know, like the, the man who had the, the legions, he was demon possessed. But you know what? That, that, didn't, that didn't happen overnight. And we see that with people when they constantly yield to the forces of darkness that those forces begin to overtake them. But it isn't because they had just came on them. It's because they yielded to it in one way or another. Well, you know, I was watching a horror movie and this thing just came on me. Well, that's what you get for watching a stupid horror movie. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, I don't understand people watching shows that scare the life out of you. That, 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 makes, that, makes, that makes no sense to me. I'm, I'm too much of a chicken to watch that stuff. You know, I just, there, there's, there's nothing about it that is appealing to me. Well, don't you like the blah, blah series? I have never seen it. And I say blah, blah because I, don't, I haven't watched any of them because I don't, I don't like them. And uh, so, you know, but, but people do it. But what they do, you know, and a lot of this stuff, what we're doing is we're opening ourselves up to things. It isn't that he's just leaping on us. It's that we open ourselves up and we don't want to give him any opportunity. The only reason Satan exists and functions is because people cooperate and empower him. They cooperate. I believe <clears throat> I have the potential. This, this isn't 
negative, uh, I mean, this isn't a negative confession. I'm just sharing with you what I believe to be a truth. I believe that I have the potential of having an addictive behavior. And I say that because of what I've seen in family members. I can even, I can even see it within myself, you know, because, you know, if one piece of rhubarb strawberry pie is good, four is better. Amen. Don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching good. You know, and so I, I mean, I can see that about me. You know, if, uh, you know, people talk about potato chips, you know, bet you can't eat one. Well, that's candy bars. I mean, that's, you know, and so, you know, when I, I, I could have seen alcohol if Jesus hadn't come into my life. I could see the potential of that being a real, a real issue in my life. But you know what? <clears throat> the devil has never made me eat a piece of pie. Now, number one, because it's godly. <laughs> 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe I better re rephrase it. The devil has had never... Well, we'll stick with pie. And he's never made me eat the second one or the third one or the fourth one. But he sure suggested it. And you know what? There's been times that I cooperated with him. Let me tell you something. Nobody was born addicted to alcohol, drugs, or any other fetish. Nobody was ever born addicted to it. Well, I believe it's, no, 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 no. Whoever told you that is, is deceived. You, <clears throat> you may have tendencies in your DNA or whatever, but you have a new DNA in Christ Jesus. But the thing about it is, is that addiction or whatever it may be has never been able to make you do anything. You had to cooperate with it. You had to yield to it. You know, how do you get, how do you get free from something? You begin to identify with and you begin to cooperate with the truth. You know, so my life changed in, when, when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But you know what? It didn't, it didn't just happen overnight. In fact, it's still happening. It's going to be a lifetime experience. But when did it happen? It happened when I reversed and I no longer cooperated with the devil and I began to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jimmy Rushton was the first one that ever heard use this ter terminology that we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so when he speaks to us, we need to cooperate with him. I was talking with Pastor Harold today and we were talking about, you know, faith and so forth. And uh, 
No, 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 no. No, that wasn't Harold. I didn't talk to him about this. I talked to somebody else about it yesterday. But we got talking about faith and so forth. And uh, we're talking about Bible translations. And uh, he was talking about how in, in their church, the pastor now has chosen to use the New American Standard. And I said, I like the New American Standard, New American Standard. I used to, that used to be the Bible I used all the time until the New King James came out. And I, I switched to the New King James, basically, uh, because in the New American Standard, where deity is concerned, they still use the these and the thous, uh, where in the New King James, they've taken all the these and the thous out. I'm not a thee or thouer. I'm a you and me-er. You know, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and so I, I said, I, that's when I switched. But I, I said, there's things that I like about the New American Standard. And one of them is in James, where it says, faith without works is dead. I like the New American Standard there because the New American Standard says, faith without corresponding action is dead. And so that's how, that's how we live the life of faith. Our actions continually correspond with the word that has been given to us from God. And so that's what this is. This is God's word to you and me. And so when I see something in the scripture and my life doesn't line up with it, by faith, my actions now are going to correspond with what the word says rather than what the world says. You know, faith is, faith is really pretty simple. We see it in the word, we believe it. And we act upon it. But you know, if we don't ever act upon it, then Scripture says it's really not faith. You know, I believe it was Wesley who talked about in relationship to, to salvation. He talked about how we, we mentally ascend to the Word of God. That there's people, they've never really stepped out in faith concerning it, but they, they mentally in, in ascend to it or mentally they agree with it. And so there's a lot of people that mentally agree with the Word of God. I mentally agreed with the Word that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again from the dead. I agreed with that. Mentally, I believed that. But it wasn't until in the basement of Vernon Lewis's house where they shared Romans 10 with me, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And so because I believed it, that faith produced a corresponding action. The faith was Jesus died for me. Jesus rose for me. Jesus ascended on high for me. The action was I confessed it with my mouth that Jesus was my Lord. And so it's true of healing, it's true of prosperity, it's true of, it's true of every truth that we see in the scriptures. In Ephesians 2.2, it says, in which, uh, that's not enough. 
Ephesians 2, 1. And he made alive who are dead in their trespasses and sins. He made alive who are dead in trespasses and sin. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, catch that, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Who are the sons of disobedience? Those who have refused to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're the sons of disobedience. And he says, it's that power that's working in them. And how is it that that power works in them? Because they cooperate. Um, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Notice it's not the devil's flesh. It's our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as others. We once were that. Amen. We once were that. But thank God we're not that anymore. We've been set free through the blood of Jesus by the word of our testimony because of what Jesus has done for us. So Father, tonight we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have been set free. We thank you that the enemy has no authority over any of us. And Father, we recognize his tactics. His tactics are to deceive, to lead us astray, to convince us to go the ways of the world. But Father, we recognize that. And we refuse to give him place any longer. Father, we're men and women of the word. We know your word. We hear your word. We see your word. We understand your word. And we walk in your word. And as a result of that, we resist all those things that are contrary to your word. Thank you, Father. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our flesh. And we've overcome this world that we live in because of the completed works of Jesus and we, because we put our confidence and we put our trust in him. So we thank you tonight. We give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Be blessed. Have a glorious evening.